0: Coming up on Gamers Week podcast.
1: So next up from Nintendo Life, random Logan Paul made a table out of Game Boys, and the internet isn't happy. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. So YouTuber Logan Paul is a man who has his fingers in many pies.
0: I already don't like that sentence
1: phrasing. I right, like that was that sentence good <laughs> I was just So dirty saying it. Uh, <laughs>
0: All right. Hello, everyone. We are excited to welcome you to the very first episode of Gamers Week Podcast. Like the name says, (laughs) we analyze the best, the worst, and the weirdest headlines of the past week in the video game industry. Welcome, everyone. I'll be your host for this evening, and my name is Blue. I am here with my two co-hosts. I've got the one and only Donnie G and Ryan, a.k.a. Retro Game Brews.
1: Hello. Oh, my God. I'm so excited i uh, been looking forward to this for a while now and finally back into the podcasting booth to talk to you all. So, super excited. And also, super excited to have Donnie. Donnie, man.
0: Yeah. Joining the podcast. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Squeaking noises.
2: <laughs> you take the excitement that Blue and Ryan have, and you need to double it, triple it, quadruple it, whatever. And that's <laughs> my level of excitement for coming on this podcast. Nice. Love it,
1: man. <laughs>
0: All right, well, we don't want to uh, delay the main show too long, but we do know that there may be listeners out there who haven't heard us in previous things or been to our streams before. So let's take a moment to introduce ourselves with three questions. We'll each least answer three questions to help you get to know us. Those questions are, how long have you been gaming? What three games are... Uh, what three games... <laughs> best describe you as a gamer. And what is something you love besides video games? Uh, Donnie, do you want to go first?
2: Sure. So how long have I been gaming? For as long as I can remember, actually. And around 1983 is about the longest that I can remember. Uh, I was five years old. And I didn't. I don't, I don't think I've ever hit the arcades around five years old, but my <laughs> father had an Atari 2600. And I grew up right around the time of the the Atari 2600, then the Coleco tabletops that used to come out with a little miniature Donkey Kong, Pac-Man, Frogger, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I had a lot of time and experience on those little handhelds. But uh, yeah, I've been
1: gaming ever since.
0: Nice. And what about you, Ryan?
1: Uh, it's kind of a similar answer. First of all, I didn't know that these are going to be so incredibly personal. So I'm a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> What's your social security the people
0: want to know, okay?
1: <laughs> so how long have I been gaming? Uh, conceivably, since I can remember, similar to, to Donnie's answer, I grew up in uh, the NES era, but I remember my first gaming experience was actually with an Atari 2600 over at my grandmother's house. First game I ever played. Uh, was Keystone Capers, which uh, I don't think that one hooked me on gaming, <laughs> but uh, eventually I uh, woke up one Christmas morning and that beautiful uh, Nintendo Entertainment Deluxe System was sitting there waiting for us. And uh, man, I have been into video gaming ever since. And it's been a fantastic ride, fantastic hobby. And uh, yeah, get a chance now to share it with all you. My Atari at my grandmother's house. You call me old? <laughs> 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 blue what about you
0: uh well this is kind of a anticlimactic plot twist but i also first began gaming on an atari 2600
1: oh my god let's all take our centrum silver now <laughs> <I know.
0: laughs> make sure we've got our ARP cards handy
1: pieces of the triforce unite
0: so uh, we didn't own one um we I think my dad borrowed one from a friend and it was in our house for a couple months and I remember trying to play Qbert and I must have been three or four and I remember doing my best but thinking that that game was impossible and was not actually that sad when the friend eventually took the 2600 away. <laughs> so it was a few years before uh, the neighbors across the street got an NES and were playing the Super Mario Duck Hunt pack-in game. Nice. And I went over there and I was like, I must have one. So <laughs> that's where it began.
2: Did you end up getting one for the house?
0: We did end up getting one for the house eventually. I think my my parents realized if they ever wanted to see their children again, (laughs) instead of us asking to be adopted by the neighbors, then they needed to get one.
1: Right. (laughs) Nice. So, uh, Donnie, what are your three games that best describe you as a gamer? Uh, This is is a very loaded question. Um, (laughs) Really?
2: Yeah. I mean, you... You, you say the wrong game here, and it, it immediately silos you into something that you don't want to be. Like, oh, I'm forever known as the guy who likes Tiny Toon Adventures on NES or something like that.
0: I do like Tiny Toon Adventures on NES.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's not a
1: bad game.
2: Um, for me personally, uh, I'd say the three that that define me are really Mortal Kombat. And no <clears throat> no specific one in particular, um, except for Mortal Kombat 4. I really hate that, that version. But everything else, Mortal Kombat as a whole, that defines me. The second game would be Shadowrun. Shadowrun, if you're not familiar with it, um, and this would—I think—I feel like I have to be specific here. Shadowrun for the Super Nintendo, because there are two versions. There's a Shadowrun for the Super Nintendo and the Shadowrun for the Sega Genesis. There's also a Shadowrun for PC that came out a couple of years ago, which is still a great game. Um, But I, I like RPGs that deal with that type of genre the the whole cyberpunk blade runner type genre I, I do like rpgs as well but in all honesty i'm not really into the whole fantasy when it comes to, like, I, I know Ryan's the about gasp, to leave. The, oh, my God. <laughs> Done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks, everyone. That was the shortest podcast
2: ever. <laughs> and that's not to say that I don't like um, games like uh, Secret of Mana, uh, Illusion of Gaia, Final say Fantasy, Chrono et cetera, Trigger. et cetera. Say Chrono Trigger. I, I, you know what? I've oh
1: got it. Choose played, your words wisely, sir.
2: <laughs> I've never played Chrono Trigger. I still have yet oh, to play Chrono Trigger. Oh,
0: now he's really leaving.
2: It's on the backlog. It's on the backlog to do. I still have to get through uh, Secret of Mana and Illusion of Gaia and eventually beat Final Fantasy III, which I've never done. The third one is Night Trap because I love wow, uh, full motion choice. video games. <laughs> I know, I know. And I'm, I'm going to die on that sword all day, every day. And that's what kind of started me into the whole full motion video uh, genre of gaming.
1: I got to say, some of the most entertaining streams I've ever watched is you going through Night Trap, so. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you.
0: Wow. <laughs> okay, Rybred. I don't know how you're going to follow that up, but go for it.
1: Uh, I don't either. Controversy <laughs> on the first episode. Yeah, mine are, are really lame now. <laughs> 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 so, uh the three games that best describe me as a gamer. So, one is StarCraft. I spent so many hours in my late not well i'd say it's a mid-teens uh online playing starcraft and it's actually a game that i still play up until this day it's the first one it's classic the gameplay element is great and i love that the strategic piece to it similar to what you were saying donnie about mortal Kombat being a competitive game starcraft is too and you get a chance to go online and play against other players battle still exists so if if you want to, you can wait about two and a half hours to find somebody who wants to play with you. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, it's, I, I love the game. It, it, to me, the music is great. The atmosphere is outstanding. And, uh, you know, as, as somebody who, who transitioned from console gaming into, like, uh, PC gaming at that time, uh, that was the perfect fit for me. Nice. Uh, number two uh, is a game that I play pretty regularly nowadays, which is Splatoon so splatoon 2 is a game that i have gotten actually a lot of people into we do a lot of game nights uh, over on my discord channel and future patron only uh gamers week discord channel game nights as well uh splatoon's got a really fun community to it too and uh i i love getting a chance to just go on online hop on discord and chit chat with friends while you play and uh, i'm not too shabby at it so that's also something i think represents me did
2: you just say on the line on the line,
1: yes, because I am on on, line. We, we established that we're really old, right? So I have to say it like an old person.
0: <laughs> on the interweb.
1: <laughs> uh, and the third one is uh, probably no surprise, Chrono Trigger. Mm-hmm. I am a huge fan of JRPGs, especially from that era of uh, Super Nintendo, Nintendo, and probably PlayStation. Obviously not on the N64, since there aren't really many of them on the N64 my first dig today for <laughs> 64.
0: <laughs> Settle in, folks. There will be a lot of those.
1: Right. Uh, but that is that era of uh, gaming when it comes to RPGs, I think, is spectacular. Because realistically, when you look at it, the the game itself didn't really have the technology to uh, make something immersive from a gameplay perspective. So it really leans on the story, which is why I love those games. They, they tell really... Thoughtful, compelling stories that leave you feeling as though you've just read a book that just you couldn't put down. so I agree uh, that's where chrono Trigger to me though is is the 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 top, the tippy top, if you will uh, of that experience uh, and uh, do you
0: remember the day that you said that or you said you would say Chrono Trigger was overrated if somebody gave you six
1: dollars? Um, you know, because I uh, I like money. That's all it took. Was $6? $6 old
0: dollars, and that's that's what you can buy Ryan's integrity for.
1: Canadian or American? Uh, American, clearly. <laughs> I'm not that cheap. Come on. Uh, you can pay me $6 and I will say that once and then I will just take your $6. That's that's how it
0: works. $6 per slander. That's his going right.
1: Blue, what about you?
0: So, okay, my three games are Dr. Mario. That was constantly on in my house when I was growing up. My sisters and I had very lethal competitions between all of us doing the uh, head-to-head Dr. Mario rounds for decades. We still do it when we get together. (laughs) And the second game is Mario Kart. Cheating a little bit, cheating a little bit, because I'm going to say the whole series instead of just one of the entries, because I love them all. (laughs) <laughs> Double Dash is my favorite. If you want to talk about controversy, for some reason, that's like the black <laughs> yeah. sheep of the whole series, but it's <laughs> my favorite. And my third game is Hollow Knight, mm. which if you know me at all, then this is old news for you. And if you decide you want to keep listening to the show or or follow me on Twitter or whatever, just be warned that I'm going to talk about Hollow Knight a lot. Sorry in advance.
2: Hollow Knight is not an old game.
0: No. Nope just a couple years old.
2: So that's that's kind of um I wouldn't say shocking or anything like that, but it's it's interesting that a game that's only 5 years old is is you know now deeply in ingrained in somebody's favorite favorite library. Yeah.
0: It is just that good. It's Metroidvania's are one of my favorite genres, so it checks that box. It's incredibly w- well done. The world building is amazing. The music is like among the best soundtracks to a game you've ever heard. And if you haven't played it, which Donnie, I know you haven't.
2: I have it on Steam. I bought it. I, it's installed. <laughs> it's ready to go. It's just it's waiting. It's turn. You
0: need to get your rear in gear, and you need to play <laughs> Hollow
2: Knight. I will do that. I will do that within a week or so.
0: Okay. All right. Well, let's, uh, I'm going to hold you to that, by the way, let's move on to our <laughs> final question. Damn it. What is something you love besides video games? Donnie.
2: Well, I love poetry and a glass of good scotch. And of course my friend Baxter, wait a second, that's not, mine. um, <laughs> <laughs> I have many leather bound books. Rich <laughs> um, for me, I have several loves, but there are two that, that take up a lot of my time. Um, uh, other than video games. And they are comic books and toys. Comic books I've loved ever since I was a kid. I have several long boxes full of them. And I'm currently trying to piece together uh, the Amazing Spider-Man um, run of the 200s. So right now, I think it's currently up to number 800 in the series. Uh, I'm trying to piece together all of the the ones in the 200 range. So from uh, 200 all the way up to 299. Wow. The other one is our toys. anybody ever came over to my house? And right now in my office, my gaming office, um, I do have several toys, you know, here and there on my shelf or whatnot. But in my basement, in my closet, I have tubs upon tubs upon tubs, even more tubs. And oh look, even more tubs! Hey, look over there. There's some more tubs of <laughs> sealed mint on card action figures and stuff.
0: Wow. So your house is full of toys and your kids aren't allowed to play with them.
2: <laughs> that is 100% correct. And if <laughs> I ever come home and find that they have just dug in, they've dug their heels in, and I see packages strewn across the floor with action figures that they're playing with, I'm going to end up in a mental institution.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Donnie, guess what I did yesterday? What? I took the Mario Kart Hot Wheels that I got for Christmas, and I opened the box.
1: Oh, no! no <laughs> I didn't even open
0: weird. it nicely. I tore it open.
2: <laughs> you decreased the value, man! <laughs> I will open a random toy every now and again, but, but most of the time, it's... um it's because I have a, a a deep affiliation with toys from my childhood. Because my parents, that's that's pretty much all they could afford were action figures for me for Christmas, and they would think that it's like, oh, it's a skimpy Christmas. We couldn't afford much. But when I wake up and I can open up six turtles figures, that's a good Christmas.
0: Yeah, open them up.
2: Right? Yeah, I open them up, play with them, and torch them with a uh, lighter and uh, hairspray, <laughs> which I have done.
0: Jeez. Oh, okay, then. Ryan.
1: <laughs> uh, so uh, this is does not include pets, right? Because uh, the second love of my life is, is, is my dog. So we're not including that, correct? Uh,
0: the question is open to interpretation. All right. Well, right. I'm not
1: going to because I don't want to bore you with dog stories. So uh, <laughs> what I'm going to mm-hmm. go with is actually a passion that I started to develop a few years ago when I first met my wife. Uh, I, uh, up until this point, thought that cooking really wasn't my thing. Uh so as a kid I tried to get into cooking and it didn't turn out so well. So I kind of told myself, "Hey, this is not something you're good at, so stop trying." So I was a big fan of ramen noodles and uh, <laughs> who isn't? <laughs> right. Uh which are great in a pinch, don't get me wrong. But uh when I met my wife, she was like, "Hey, you know, uh you have kind of a, an engineering mind, where you know you're, you're familiar with logic, and that's the, you know step by step instructions, that kind of thing.
0: Familiar with logic. What is this logic you speak <laughs> of? I haven't oh. heard of it. Uh,
1: but nonetheless, she was like, "You should try cow cooking again," and I was like, "All right, fine." And so, rather than trying something easy like, "Hey, let's do grilled cheese," I was like, "I'm going to make masaman curry." So, oh. <laughs> went onto YouTube, jumped full in, uh, made like Thai masaman curry, and it turned out really, really well. And uh, ever since then, I have been uh, full bore, jumped into this concept of cooking, and I really enjoy uh, taking some time just to create new dishes. And uh, that has become a huge passion of mine, uh, which you know makes me think, too, like when I was a kid, if I hadn't, if I hadn't listened to that naysayer voice in my head, maybe uh, I'd be on a cooking podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> so in Ratatouille, when they were talking or when they were saying that
2: anyone can't cook, they were specifically saying, not you. <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> Anyone can cook, except for except Ryan. Except
0: for Ryan. That was in the- sub- If you turn the subtitles on, it actually says that.
1: <laughs> <A> little asterisk <laughs> so right low.
2: there. Right.
1: Lou, right. what about you?
0: Uh, well, I like how you said that dogs didn't count. You weren't going to talk about your dog, because that's totally what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> 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 but I love not just my dog, even though she is the best girl in the whole world, fight me. I love all dogs, all breeds, all ages, huge passion of mine studying their their psychology and their health and their behavior. And uh, someday I hope to get a certification that allows me to work as a behaviorist that's Years away, probably, if it ever happens, but it is a dream of mine. So, uh, maybe someday I'll be on a dog podcast. How's that?
1: <laughs> Did we lose Ryan? Maybe
0: we might have lost Ryan.
1: I am muted. So awesome. Hey, there you go. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. <laughs> I was like, wow, he just has nothing to say about that, does he?
2: He's like, uh, awkward. Let's move on. <laughs>
0: Okay, anyways, going to move on to our very first poll question. Ryan, do you want to take it from here?
1: Sure, so every week on Monday, we'll be posting our VIP, stands for Very Important Poll, on Twitter. That's right, I needed the, ah. Uh, what was that noise? <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: Very Important Poll, aw,
1: on Twitter. <laughs> so if you'd like to participate, you can follow us on Twitter at GamersWeek. PC. The first poll question that we asked here it was what is your most anticipated game of 2022. So our choices are were Starfield which gathered 21.4% of the vote, uh Horizon Forbidden West which got 24.1% of the vote, Elden Ring which got 29.5% of the vote and other which got 25%, which uh pretty much means that it was even across the board for the most part.
0: It was very close, but it did very, end very how good. I expected it would end with Elden sure. Ring.
1: I'm really looking forward to the other game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a, it's a classic and you know what? Yep. It's going to be there every week. We're always going to be talking it about it.
0: I'm going to hold out <laughs> for the other remaster. <laughs>
1: So uh, interesting enough, this first poll went way bigger than we expected. Over 800 votes, 100 comments. Uh, so actually, let's read some of those answers uh, from the other category that we enjoyed. So our first one was from Tesseract Unfold, which said, Gran Turismo 7 for now. There's a lot we don't know yet about what we'll be releasing this year. I'm hoping for PS." VR two exclamation point. Next one was loco lizard man said a plague tale requiem red heart emoji. Oh, <laughs> next up from spectrum bots. 42 said ban out of three. Good choice. Uh, next was marsupial gamer said breath of the wild two, which was a very popular <laughs> response. We
0: got yelled at a few times for not including that in the poll.
1: How dare you? <laughs> uh, and finally from retro Testico chocobo racing i am waiting for this since they announced and canceled a new chocobo racing for the 3ds so (laughs) all that put aside here Mm -hmm. blue what was your choice for our very very important poll
0: for our first a very important poll and it is very important my choice was silksong which of course as you just heard huge hollow knight fan I thought I died and went to heaven when I heard they were going to make a sequel. (laughs) Team Cherry said that the sequel was coming out in 2021, and then it didn't. And then we never heard anything ever again. So I have to believe that it's going to come out in 2022. It has to. Wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. (laughs) I mean, they do not want me to fly down to Australia and just like camp outside their studio and spend my days staring in the window. But I will. Do it. <laughs>
2: Just
1: slowly tapping on the glass,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> with Lionel Richie playing in the background. Hello, <laughs> is it Silk Song you're looking for? <laughs> <laughs> Donnie, what about you?
2: Um, there are a couple of games that I've been looking forward to um, since I saw the 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 uh, release trailers or whatnot. Three of them in particular: the day before, Redfall, and Gotham Knights. Uh, the Day Before is a zombie apo- post-apocalypse MMORPG. Redfall, um, I can't remember if it's an RPG game, but it's got vampires. Um, so that's pretty cool. Is
0: that that's the Vampire the Masquerade game?
2: No. No? Which, Am I thinking okay. something else? So that is <laughs> that was my fourth. That was the obscure one because Vampire the Masquerade was supposed to come out last year. But then they changed developers and now it's like nobody really knows what's going on.
0: Okay, so that that will probably spell success, no problem. Exactly.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> One of the last ones was Gotham Knights, and that apparently is um, it's it's set like the Arkham Asylum, um, Arkham Knight games, where Batman actually is dead, and now you're playing as either Batgirl, um, Dick Grayson, aka Nightwing, and several others.
0: Wow, that sounds. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a Batman fan, but like you can just <laughs> kill Batman just like that.
2: <laughs> well, I, it's probably going to be some surprise spoiler at the end
1: where it's like, hey, I'm not
2: really dead. This is just a test, yada, yada, yada. Who knows? Okay.
0: What about you, Ryan?
1: Uh, no surprise to anybody who is familiar with me, but uh, Splatoon 3. Oh, no shocker. Way. <laughs> so uh, they just really they just announced that it is indeed, in fact, coming out in 2022. Indeed, uh, like- in fact. Yes. And my guess is that it's coming out probably summertime which I'm really looking forward to it because uh, by announcing Splatoon 3, Splatoon 2 has stopped doing uh, Splatfest, which is like a weekend (laughs) event that they do every once in a while. A lot of fun. So super looking forward to Splatoon 3 coming out and them reinstating Splatfest with Splatoon 3. Now, uh, what I would love to see is if they get rid of the introduction, a little video that you have to watch that tells you what all the things are. So uh, if you're listening, Nintendo, which I'm sure you are, Uh, please get rid of that because it's super annoying I don't care give me the option to skip (laughs) does
0: anybody like that I don't know anybody who likes that
1: I mean I'm I'm sure if you're 9 years old you're like oh Pearl and Marina again hooray but I'm not so well at least you sure when it comes to age mentally (laughs) probably you
0: hear that Nintendo forget the kids design Splatoon 3 around the whims of 30 and 40 somethings
2: (laughs) and Splatfest can we talk about that name for a second no, oh.
1: especially when uh, <laughs> mayonnaise is one of the colors.
0: <laughs> uh, no, ah.
1: moving on.
0: All right, Donnie, you want to take the next section? Let's move on quickly.
2: <laughs> oh, how quickly do you want to move on? Quickly. Okay, so you wouldn't think that a brand new podcast would already have patrons, and frankly, no one is more surprised than we are. Here are the generous folks supporting Gamers Week on Patreon. We have the Wizard of Zardoz, Clayman seventy-one, Great eighty-one. BNT Zilla Guy Crutchy Kong Sherf Snacks Frank Grande Producer BTW Ducks in Disguise Games with Coffee Davey PGH Princess Kitty Mew Mew Rye Bread's Number One Fan and
1: Fruitcake's Number One Stan
0: <laughs> I love that Ryan's trolls have followed him here
1: <laughs> Old jokes never die apparently
2: They do right. never die <laughs> If you like what you hear today, and we really hope you do, please consider joining us on Patreon. Your support helps cover the cost of producing the show, as well as other cool stuff we'll be doing, like prizes and giveaways. Visit patreon.com slash gamersweek or follow the link in the show notes to learn more.
0: Yeah, when Ryan suggested we launch the Patreon early before the show, I was like that are you sure why on earth would anybody go on patreon and give money to a podcast that doesn't even have any shows yet they don't even know if they like it yet why would anybody support that but clearly i severely underestimated the generosity of this community that is as decided that that they're gonna go ahead and take a chance on on a new show and us and uh that's pretty cool
1: Yeah. Thank you guys so much for your support. We really appreciate it. And we hope that we can provide you with the best podcast you ever heard. So absolutely. They love us and we love them.
0: Indeed. All right, let's move on to the reason why everybody is really here. The gaming headlines. First up from CNN, Tesla to pull plug on letting drivers play video games after federal investigation. Tesla reversed course Thursday and will no longer allow video games to be played on its car's touchscreens when they are in motion, bowing to an investigation of the feature by federal safety regulators. The documentation for the investigation, disclosed Wednesday by the NHTSA, said the feature, known as Passenger Play, has been available to drivers since December 2020. The games appear on the large touch screen in the center of the dashboard. While the name suggests it is intended to be played by passengers, nothing prevented drivers from playing while the car is being driven, according to the documentation associated with the investigation. Tesla has been pushing the envelope in providing driver assist features that allow its cars to slow down, speed up, and even change lanes without active participation from the driver. The company cautions that drivers using such features, known as autopilot and FSD for full self-driving, must stay alert and keep their hands on the wheel. But Tesla has been criticized for making it easier for drivers to not pay attention, as well as for a number of crashes involving cars in autopilot mode. The NHTSA is currently investigating Tesla for at least 11 accidents involving cars using its autopilot or other self-driving features that collided with emergency vehicles when coming up the scene of an earlier crash. Oh my goodness. Those 11 accidents were responsible for 17 injuries and one death, according to the agency.
2: That was plural. Emergency vehicles. Just one. (laughs) plural. Plural. Who thought this was a good idea?
0: Uh, yeah. They don't say directly that the the passenger play was involved in those eleven accidents. Just that it was the autopilot. So yeah, if something already doesn't work so well, let's just throw video games in. It's fine. Oh.
1: So I have a question for the two of you: Would you ever let a vehicle drive for you?
0: Ever, ever,
1: <laughs> ever, ever, ever. ever, ever. ever?
0: I mean, maybe in twenty years when the technology is really solid. Currently, I don't really want to be in a Tesla that's going to plow into the back of an emergency vehicle on the side right. of the freeway. So <laughs> I'm going to go nah.
2: I immediately think of Minority Report in this case, yep. um, which is oh, yeah. not necessarily a bad thing, but we don't have the the infrastructure to put all of these vehicles on like these these belts and have it move this way and that way or whatever. I I, I don't want this. I, I like. The fact of driving, I'm comfortable driving. The one thing I don't like is other people and their lack <laughs> of uh, knowledge on how the rules of the road road work. And I'm getting a little bit amped up talking about it. <laughs> but when I have to deal with those people, yeah, you know, a part of me would like to have just a regular self driving car that takes the other pe- person out of the equation. But as far as like right now is concerned, I'm I'm fine with just driving
1: myself. So I uh, anybody who follows my Twitter knows that I am like full board in for self-driving cars.
0: <laughs> Ryan's religion is technology and science.
1: <laughs> it is. Uh, so they've actually been testing this. They've done, I think it's like 15 million miles in Phoenix with self-driving cars. Were
0: there emergency vehicles on the road? Uh, interestingly <laughs> enough,
1: I don't know. But uh, <laughs> they had something like 11 accidents over 15 million miles and there were no fatalities. And come to find out, it was like... 10 or all 11 were caused by other drivers or pedestrians. I guess one of them, uh, like a bike just rammed into <laughs> a self-driving <laughs> car. You hit me. So it was like, uh, I don't know, uh, European vacation. <laughs> <or> <laughs>
2: America, I know, just a flesh wound.
1: Right. But uh, with self-driving cars, the interesting piece to it is that th- what they found is that the average person is really aware of the, the self-driving piece uh, for a matter of like th- Four to five minutes and then they kind of let their guard down and allow the car to do its own thing. I don't think Tesla's really intended to to do that though, right? The the Tesla vehicle itself is not fully operational when it comes to driving. It's got an autopilot feature, but to my knowledge, that it's not the, the full intent of the vehicle itself. But to your point, Blue. The interesting part about this is that the the reason that they're investigating into it is that I think human beings have this natural tendency to not want to trust technology, uh, especially taking over something that is as you know ubiquitous as driving, uh, and it makes us a little bit scared. And then, of course, the easiest scapegoat that they can come up with is video games. Uh, clearly, video games needs to be the reason, why, <laughs> right? Now, the interesting part about that, people who are driving their cars now that do not have autopilot are uh, checking their phones, they're doing their taxes, they're (laughs) doing their makeup on their way on their commute to work. Uh, So while I agree that it's maybe a good thing to necessarily take away some of that temptation, I, I think that it's another example of where scapegoating happens because video games happen to be the easiest route that everybody can agree on real quick.
0: Well, I don't see any reason why they couldn't continue this whole passenger play thing for the back seat or whatever is no. going on. To be fair, this investigation was started by a Tesla owner who complained about the distracting nature of the screen gotcha. when it was going.
2: So, is this person a gamer?
0: I don't know about is he that. telling on himself? I, I might suggest not. But uh, I think uh, the video games are just part of a a larger problem, a larger issue that Tesla has to answer about how much distraction in the car, how much extras, because, you know, Teslas are the ones that you do certain things and then the car will will uh, like light up and open its doors and things in response to a piece of music. Like how much of all that extra stuff is too much?
2: Right. The control factor.
0: Yeah.
1: So next up from Nintendo Life Random, Logan Paul made a table out of Game Boys and the internet isn't happy. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. So YouTuber Logan Paul is a man who has his fingers in many pies.
0: I already don't like that sentence.
1: Phrasing. I right, like that was that sentence. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, dirty saying it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but his latest venture has riled up Nintendo fandom quite spectacularly. Paul took a selection of Game Boy Color consoles, some of which are quite collectible, and poured epoxy resin all over them to create a table, which also lights up, which is super important. And you can see the video (laughs) that he posted on December 26th on Twitter, at, at Logan Paul. The reaction online has been pretty hostile, with many people questioning the wisdom of effectively destroying consoles, which could have provided a lifetime of entertainment. Other than other people are kindly pointing out uh, that there are other less destructive ways of celebrating your collection it's worth pointing out that Paul could have used broken consoles for this project but he isn't confirming this as of yet so begin rant <laughs> right indeed <laughs> uh, I heard that he used the shell of the the game boys so like the, the guts of it weren't in there is that better uh, I, no it's not but <laughs> Okay, let me rephrase. It's slightly better. So (laughs) he wasn't ruining uh, the ability to play these things, but there were certain aspects. So, for example, one of the Game Boys that was in there is one that I've wanted for a really long time. I already have the Pokemon, uh, like yellow and blue Game Boy color, which I'm quite fond of. I actually did a trade to get it. I love the thing, right? But there was a gold one that was even rarer. And that was one of the shells that he put in there. So instantly, I, I felt my, the, the veins on my neck start to pop out. <laughs> and I, I just, I think for one, the, the, the outrage is, is slightly justified, I would say, for, for most folks. I mean, the, the idea that you're ruining something potentially that has historical value and that has entertainment value. So how rare is this gold Game Boy? Uh, it's not like it's ultra rare in the sense that, you know, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars to get it, but it is the rarer of the two. Uh, and I would say I've seen maybe two or three in the wild in my lifetime. Okay. So what are your thoughts on this? Do you guys think that it deserves the outrage that it's getting? Do you think it's overblown? Do you think that Logan Paul is a terrible human being? What are your thoughts? Well, yes to that one.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's <laughs> that's not a question. So Not that I agree with what he's done, but I will play just a little bit of devil's advocate. So I have Game Boys that I can't play anymore. Mm -hmm. They work perfectly, but as we've established, I am old. I can no longer see them. Say what? Very well. (laughs) I know. These Game Boys, they sit on my shelf and they look nice.
2: Maybe you just need the Game Boy Light.
0: I had that thing. That thing did not help (laughs) like at all.
1: Blue is the only person that the handy boy makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Hey,
0: I I got my pocket pre-ordered. That's what I'm in for. But I play all my Game Boy games currently with a super Game Boy, which is an invention straight from God. So if these Game Boys are not going to be used, they're just going to sit on a shelf. How is this that much different?
1: Well, you could
2: sell those to somebody else and they could actually get enjoyment out of them. That's going to be the universal argument
1: there.
0: Yeah. Kids aren't interested in Game Boys. I'm 99% sure that today's children don't care about Game Boys.
1: Ironically enough, that's the only thing that my nephew wants to play lately when he comes over my house is the Game Boys. (laughs) Okay. All
0: right. Well, he's in that 1%. (laughs) Kids rare. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, the other part, the other question I go to this. So clearly this is like a quote-unquote work of art, right? He's creating a table out of this. But I've seen a lot of people who will take like an NES zapper and turn it into a light uh, fixture or somebody who will take apart a controller and turn it into a shadow box. Like, I mean, granted, both of those are accessories. But, you know, I'm sure there's people who do that with, you know, full functioning Game Boys or even, you know, like an NES.
2: Right. So how is this different?
1: Yeah, that's, that's what I'm asking is that is this... Is this so much different or is it because it's Logan Paul doing it? I, I'm leaning more towards the fact that it's Logan Paul, um, mm-hmm. because if
2: you would have taken any self respective gamer, uh, if they would have done this as a project. And let's just say they're like, oh, you know what? I love my Game Boys. I'm never going to get rid of them. But you know what? I don't play them as often. Uh, oh, I'm going to go get this new analog pocket. So I really don't have use for all of these old Game Boys. Let me just go ahead and make a project out of it. And right. I, I think people would probably look at that and say, you know what? That's a fantastic idea. That's a unique idea. You're a gamer. I love it. It's probably because it's coming from this ass clown, Logan Paul. And <laughs> now we get this.
1: The I think the other part of that, too, is maybe because Logan Paul is, is probably not your average collector. He's not somebody who continue. And and by the way, if he does, I, I apologize. Cause it's not like I focus on Logan Paul all the time, but I don't see Logan Paul as being a part of like the, the retro gaming community. <laughs> at least. There you
0: go. The problem is he's an outsider.
1: Right. Well, and that's, I think part of it as well. And I get that. I get that desire to say, well, you probably just spend all the money that you make on YouTube to purchase these items. You don't truly appreciate them. And then by putting them in a table. So I get that argument. I really do. Uh, it's just, I think we need to play a little bit of devil's advocate with ourselves to say, you know, where is this really coming from as Are far as our- Are we for
0: the right reason? Yeah. Right. right, right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So I guess like the, the end of this is that I think maybe we just need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Word. <laughs> <laughs> So next up, from the Washington Post,
2: Riot Games agrees to pay $100 million in settlement of class action gender discrimination lawsuit. The League of Legends publisher Riot Games announced Monday that it is settling a 2018 gender-based discrimination class action suit with California state agencies and current and former women employees for $100 million. The company will pay $80 million to members of the class action lawsuit and approximately $20 million towards plaintiff's legal fees. The Los Angeles lawsuit was filed in November 2018 by now-former employees Melanie McCracken and Jesse Negron, alleging gender discrimination as well as sexual harassment and misconduct at Riot Games. The suit was followed by two inquiries led by California state agencies. This is a great day for the women of Riot Games and for women at all video game and tech companies who deserve a workplace that is free of harassment and discrimination, said the plaintiff's counsel, the employment and sexual harassment lawyer Jeannie Harrison. We appreciate Riot's introspection and in work since 2018 toward becoming a more diverse and inclusive company. In the settlement, Riot Games also agreed to certain workplace policy reforms. These include greater transparency around pay scales for job applicants, not relying on prior salary history to set employees' pay or assign job titles, and the creation of a pipeline for, f- for current or former temp agency contractors to apply to work for Riot Games. The publisher will also implement a policy requiring the presence of a woman or member of an underrepresented community on employment selection panels.
0: You know, there it's a day of reckoning right now in the mm-hmm. video it game is. industry. You look at this this uh, suit that's gone down at Riot, you look at what's happening over at Ubisoft, what's happening over at Activision Blizzard. If I was a AAA game studio um, I think I'd be watching my back.
2: Mm-hmm. What makes people think that they can get away with, with uh, behavior like this?
0: Because they always have.
2: <laughs> yeah, obviously they can, but I, it's, it kind of baffles me that this day and age, this behavior is still going on, like rampant and blatant in these companies.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Seems like old habits
1: kind of die hard in that regard. True.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and and to be fair, everyone knows this is not a video game specific problem. This is a problem all, right. all over the country and, and all over the world. So, but it is uh, nice to start seeing some accountability finally happening. There's been a lot of attention uh, on crunch and those sort of practices oh, yeah. and some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes starting to come out. So it's nice to see that this kind of accountability is spreading to to other areas as well.
1: And I think that for the most part, what you're seeing here is that the accountability factor of creating an environment that's like a frat house. Yeah, uh, bro, is bro culture.
0: Of, what Was right. that Amazon games? It was bro culture.
1: Bro culture, right. <laughs> yeah. What's up, bro? <laughs> It's finally coming to a fever pitch where it's not going to be acceptable moving forward. And that to me is, I know that it's terrible that this is what we have to go through in order to get there is that we have to call somebody out and uh, people have to experience these types of working environments. I mean, it's terrible to have to go to work every single day and have to deal with feeling uncomfortable. I want to say it's surprising, but it's just more disappointing to me. I'm glad that this is becoming public, that it's knowledge that it's out there. Hopefully that means that other Companies will take will follow uh, the example that if you do operate a business like this, that now is the the time to change uh, and to make some decisions to make your employees feel like human beings. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely, I know the company that I work for has zero tolerance, actually less than zero tolerance for any type of activity such as this. And at the mere mention, I mean, yeah, you'll you'll be able to defend yourself. But if it comes to light that you're uh, if you're accused and guilty of discrimination, you're gone. Right.
0: All right. Well, let's move on to our main topic for the evening, Ryan?
1: Uh From CNBC, cash grab or innovation? The video game world is divided over NFTs. Gamers are notoriously skeptical crowd. In 2017, for example, Electronic Arts. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Them again, right? <laughs> faced huge backlash over decision to let players pay to unlock certain characters in its Star Wars Battlefront 2 game. Traditionally, players are required to toil for several hours to access such content, and the outcry for was so intense that EA eventually walked back its plans, which critics described as pay-to-win model. So when Ubisoft, the French video game publisher, dropped a video this month showing off its foray into non-fungible tokens, it's fair to say the reaction was a little predictable. The company debuted a platform called Quartz, which lets players own in-game items such as helmets in the form of NFTs, digital assets designed to track ownership of unique items on the blockchain. The feature was added to Ubisoft's Ghost Recon Breakpoint game. The move was met with widespread anger from gamers who slammed Quartz as a cash grab. Although YouTube has recently hidden dislikes on its videos, users downloading software to get around the change were able to find that Ubisoft's trailer for Quartz has been overwhelmingly disliked. With only 1,600 likes and more than 40,000 dislikes.
2: (laughs) That's
0: delicious.
2: (laughs) An Ubisoft spokesperson told CNBC the NFTs available on Quartz are currently free and that the company is not taking a cut of any secondary market sales. Ubisoft Quartz is an experiment, the spokesperson said. But Ubisoft isn't the only gaming company jumping on the NFT bandwagon. EA CEO Andrew Wilson says the phenomenon is an important part of the future of our industry. Ukrainian developer GSC GameWorld wanted to integrate NFTs into its upcoming title, Stalker 2, but has now scrapped those plans following pushback from fans. The Ubisoft debacle highlights division in the gaming world over non-fungible tokens. Last month, for instance, Microsoft Xbox chief Phil Spencer warned some efforts to bring NFTs to video games feel exploitive. There are definitely some aspects of NFTs that feel a little exploitive right now with some of these games. Jeff Keeley, host of the Game Awards, told CNBC on a call ahead of the video game industry's annual awards ceremony, which recently took place. While Kihi says he likes the idea of game creators making revenue through royalties on NFT sales, the thing I hope doesn't happen is that games become a platform just for commerce. Robbie Jung, CEO of Animoca Brands, said the business model in gaming has changed over the years. Gaming's historically more premium, meaning you bought cartridges or DVDs or later downloadables. You paid upfront prices for games, he said, that has transitioned largely to an economic model around free-to-play. The idea is that it's free up front, but you have virtual assets inside the game that you require to enhance and improve your gameplay.
0: Young says the NFT approach is innovative as it means gamers can now take ownership of digital properties they buy within a game. Players can then take those assets outside of the game and exchange them elsewhere. He said the phenomenon reminds him of his childhood. If you bought cartridges for your game's console and you wanted the new one but couldn't afford it, you would sell some of your old games at a secondhand shop, Young said. These days with digital content, we've not had that secondhand market. And so now blockchain is enabling that to happen again, where you can dispose of content that you are no longer interested in or are not playing with anymore. Still, despite excitement, from some over NFTs and their potential use in gaming, it's clear that not everyone is on board. While NFTs may one day have a place in video games, right now they're still in an embryonic stage, according to George. Good lord. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you G- should just make it George, good lord. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I apologize, George. Let me get a running start of this one. Gigi Yashvili, uh, principal analyst at Omdia. Rushing into offering NFTs without fully evaluating it could lead to serious reputational damage, George said.
2: <laughs> that guy said.
0: That guy said. You guys have any better suggestions on that one?
2: <laughs> Gigi. Uh, no, that, that works.
0: Okay. Apologies. Apologies.
2: So I don't – I'm not really on the up and up with – NFTs. I know kind of about them, but with the articles that we were just talking about, what separates them from, let's just say something like in uh, Diablo 2, where you had items that you could take and go on the marketplace and sell those for for money?
0: Well, for a second, let's take a step back. Okay. Uh, so if you're in the explain this to me, like I'm five crowd, like I am. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I am currently on the dummies.com website, and I pull up their page, (laughs) NFTs for Dummies, and I will read you what I see here. A non-fungible, which means unique or non-replaceable, token is a unique digital code that represents some kind of digital item. It could be digital art or music, for example. An NFT is secured and stored on a public blockchain. One token is not interchangeable for another, and a token cannot be further divided. There are many different types of non-fungible tokens, and they can be created on well-known blockchains like Bitcoin or Ethereum. Uh, Use cases for NFTs abound, and the creator economy has rapidly embraced this method of securing digital provenance. Some popular examples are digital art, sports collectibles, music memes, and game assets. In-game assets, such as digital land, skins, and characters are a perfect match for NFTs, having the highest sales volume of any other segment under the umbrella of digital
1: collectibles. Interesting. There you are.
2: I think in regards to video game collectibles such as skins and whatnot, that's, that makes sense. When it comes to a piece of artwork, or in the case of what you said earlier, the first tweet, how can you own that? How can you, you, you say that you own the first tweet and what can you do with that? Because somebody can easily take a screenshot of that and redistribute it for, and they won't get into any legal trouble. So in the sense, what do you own?
0: Yeah. There was a. There was that that thing going on on Twitter. And if you're not on Twitter and, and don't know what I'm talking about, I apologize. But the big thing on Twitter recently has been those monkey NFT trading cards. Yep. And so people are bragging about having the the monkey NFT, but then somebody will just, you know, download and save it to their device and then pop it up and suddenly they can use it too. And it was this huge, long joke for like a weekend of people just mocking these monkey NFT supposedly unique <laughs> trading cards.
1: Mock <Mark> the monkey. <laughs> nice, nice. So ideally, though, if you're if you're talking about if your NFT is located on a blockchain, a blockchain, of course, is a network of computers that basically are a ledger for all information and transactions as a result of the shared collective knowledge of it. So if anything changes, it's got to update all the... the computers that are on that server, uh, for it to be a legitimate transaction. So for example, if you try to steal somebody's, uh, you know, NFT or Bitcoin or what have you, uh, that can be traceable back to you. Uh, so there's part of that. I don't know since NFTs are so new to my knowledge, I don't know if you can be legally uh, brought up on charges for theft, for utilizing someone else's NFT. Uh, I don't know, (laughs) but the idea is that it's supposed to be secure in that sense because it it's not just one source of information, it's thousands, potentially. Uh, the interesting part about that, though, is that similarly to this, where we're talking about NFTs being kind of like the buzzword of the moment, uh, blockchain was for a little while there, too. Uh, there's a classic example that was brought up on a show uh, last week tonight with John Oliver where he had... Uh, researched a iced tea company that added blockchain to their name and their their stock price rose like an exorbitant amount of money as a result of having the word blockchain in it. And
0: welcome everyone to the Gamers Week Blockchain Podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Money,
2: money, money, money.
1: But uh, but <laughs> that's the idea of the secureness, I think around NFTs. But again, I don't know if this is something that needs to be a part of gaming. You know, if you're getting items in, uh, you know, in a in a gaming space, why do I need to have it unique to me? Is that something that provides me with an additional advantage? I mean, granted, I get a chance to sell it, but is that is that really the point of gaming? Is to speculate from items that you find in in game? Well, basically, from what I'm getting from this article is
2: that the future of gaming is um, assets and reselling them. Secondhand market.
0: What was it? Last year, some point, there was uh, E3, I think, last year in 2021 or 2020, whenever it was, that game Blancos or Blancos, however you pronounce it, Blanco's block party is basically yep. a NFT game where you buy the little characters in the game and you can collect them and resell them. And I asked people online I was like I don't I maybe it's just me being old but I don't hmm. get why you would want to be involved in this. And somebody came on and said no no it's really cool because you buy the little character and it's yours and nobody else has that character in the whole world because it's yours and you can keep it with you when you go I'm like, okay, I, (laughs) I can understand that conceptually. The part that I always get stuck up on is like, you can take it with you out of the game and use it elsewhere. I was like, how, how do you do that? I I don't understand how you could take that piece of what is essentially code and integrate it anywhere else.
2: You can't put it into another game and have that item into a game that doesn't, that where it doesn't belong.
0: Right now, unless, unless this, Eventually, they they start making NFT games where it allows the input of those kind of devices. But uh, it's still, it's, it's, I mean, we're all old enough to to know that uh, formats change, right? right. We mm-hmm. used to have cassette tapes and then we went to CDs and now everything yep. is digital. Same way that they used to be VHS tapes and, and then it was DVDs and then it was Blu-rays. So again, maybe this is just me being old. I don't get it. I don't get how this is yours. <laughs> I really don't.
2: <laughs> Neither do I uh, though. I, I've never been in the mindset of owning digital items because once the electricity goes off, it's gone.
0: Right. Or once the, the world moves on to the next format, it's Absolutely. gone. Absolutely.
2: You know, with, with at least with the old retro stuff uh, with cartridges, I could pop those into a gaming system. Now I, I know a lot of people at home are probably saying, well, Donnie, you can't, if the electricity is gone, you can't play that either. You know what? You have a good point. Um, So if you have a generator, yada, yada, yada. But in all honesty... When
0: the EMPs hit, okay, you can't play that. Absolutely.
2: (laughs) (laughs) If something is battery, it takes batteries like your Game Boy or your Sega Game Gear. I can pop that cartridge in. I've got batteries. I'm good to go. I have this physical cartridge that I can trade to somebody else as opposed to, oh, I have this game on PlayStation Network or Xbox, uh, the Xbox Store, and I don't really care for it anymore. Oh, guess what? I can't do anything with it. It's there forever. I can't resell yeah. it.
0: If there's a if there's a silver lining to all of this, it would be what Robbie Young was talking about is the ability to take Uh, digital purchases that you're not interested in and then somehow get some sort of secondhand market value for them, which I think would be great for digital games. Because how many times have we bought a digital game and played it for five minutes and went, I have buyer's regret already.
1: Yeah, not Like you said,
0: there's nothing you can do about it. And trying
1: to get a refund for a digital game. Yeah, good luck with that.
0: Yeah. So the ability to do that, I think would be really great.
1: You know what? Though I find this interesting, this 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 model of trying to create something in which you can turn into to monetary value, yada yada yada. It's kind of counterintuitive to where the gaming industry has been going or been going the past couple of years. I think they pointed it out in the article where everything is switching into you know pay for play uh, with the free to play model is the like the the hidden thing behind it.
0: Yeah, uh, which I also hate. Just another example of being really old, but I also hate free to play.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about that, the. Re- reason that they did that was because they did not want you going to a secondhand store, trading in a game and getting something new or selling your game, right? Because that meant that that money wasn't going into their pocket. Absolutely. So do you think that outside of indie developers and a few big name developers looking to, to cash in on something for, for a quick buck are going to long-term uh, adopt this t- style of gameplay?
0: Uh, a lot of them will do like Ubisoft did and run in and go, hey, a trend, I want to make money off of it. And and yep. they'll try to do that. If they don't make money on it right away, then they'll give it up. Right. So it, I think it kind of remains to be seen. You you would think, like your logic is sound, you would think that especially the big developers would want no part of something that gives commercial power, essentially, to the buyer and, and away mm-hmm. from them. But I think their, their love of the immediate upfront money will uh, blind them to that.
1: It sounds like to me like they're more looking for people to engage in a game so that they can get that money. And then eventually when this dies out, they've already got their money. Right. Gotta love it. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have
0: to. Well, okay. Let, let's, let's wrap up our main topic this way. If you're listening to the show and you think we are wrong about NFTs or if we're just misunderstanding the whole thing, because again, we're very old, go ahead and add <laughs> us on Twitter, at Gamers Week PC, and tell us all about it and uh, let us know what we should really be thinking about NFTs. Because as of right now, we're not sold on them.
2: So. I'm sure we're going to hear an earful about them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, let's move on to our next segment, and it is time for Gaming History 101 with our very own Professor Rybread.
1: Well, thank you, everyone, for attending today's lesson. My name is Professor Rybread, and if you haven't gotten the (laughs) syllabus, please ask one of your TAs for a copy.
0: (laughs) Is there going to be homework? (laughs)
1: we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, My office hours are at no times any human being would be able to attend. So don't bother trying to find me. Please pay attention as there will be a quiz, which makes up 51% of your grade. So if you're trying to take on uh, (laughs) this lesson, just let them know this is a large chunk of your grade. So sorry, I was trying to take on the persona of a real university professor. So did that, did that come across that way? (laughs) No, you didn't
0: sound dead inside enough.
1: (laughs) I'll work on it. Okay. (laughs) so uh gaming history 101 uh with professor Rybread really started uh for for me personally i have a love for the history of gaming and it's and it's truly fascinating to me kind of how we how far we've come in a few short decades uh from a gaming perspective from pong to what we're playing now so what i wanted to do is cover stories that you know i have personally love or that i want to know more about or things that maybe i've never heard of so what I decided to do is create this segment and spend some time doing some research online. Now, bear in mind, so because I'm doing that research online, uh, please do not use this to write your next history textbook on gaming. So, <laughs> take yes. it <laughs>
0: make sure you check Wikipedia instead. Much more. Exactly.
1: Reliable. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, You know, will this be an every episode type of thing? I certainly hope so. I just don't know yet. Um, If you do have ideas that you would like to uh, talk about as far as uh, history or a story, uh, feel free to message us at GamersWeekPodcast at gmail.com and we might feature your suggestion. So definitely take a look into that. So our first topic for today is going to be an obscure Super Nintendo game called Super 3D Noah's Ark. So have either of you played this before? No.
0: I didn't even know this was a thing until a few years ago.
1: What about you, Donnie? Never played it. Never played it. And you know what? I I was expecting that response. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, fairly obscure game. I think that most people are uh, vaguely aware of it, uh, probably from online YouTubers, right? But the problem is, as well, is that copies are, are super expensive. They're like 160 bucks loose on price charting as of today. But
0: why? Um,
1: well, and and we'll, we'll kind of get into that a little bit towards the end here. But uh, if you do want a physical one, there's repo copies that you know certain uh, retro game shops will sell. Uh, there's also a PC version that was released on DOS in '95, uh, which had better graphics, and a re-release in 2015 on Steam. So if you do want access to this game. Whether or not you think it's going to be a good game or not, <laughs> there are certainly opportunities for you out there. So the question that I, why do a, your first episode on Super Noah's Ark 3D, has a lot to do with just the, the the cart itself, some of the history behind it, maybe some of the misconceptions as to what this game is all about. But first, if you take a look at the cartridge itself, it's black and it has this pin connector uh, sitting on the top of it, similar to what like a game genie or a game shark looks like. Uh And the reason is, is because it's the only commercially released unofficial Super Nintendo card, and it needed another Super Nintendo card to plug in the top of it in order to get past the lockout chip on the uh, SNES. Wow. Yes. So (laughs) already we're in weird territory, right? Now, the game itself actually plays a lot like Wolfenstein 3D. Is there
0: a reason for that?
1: (laughs) Yes, there is. Yes, there is. So it was originally developed using a license acquired by id Software, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with. They they made things like Wolfenstein 3D, Doom, and a myriad of other uh, first-person shooter games. So uh, a big powerhouse in the FPS genre. Now... The most common story that I hear prior to doing research about this was that it gave Wisdom Tree, which was the developer of Super 3D Noah's Ark, The engine to Wolfenstein is kind of like a middle finger <laughs> to Nintendo because they didn't appreciate how the game released uh, for Wolfenstein 3D and Doom on the Super Nintendo. But that's actually incorrect. So, this religious game was originally intended to be a movie-based game. As the founder of Wisdom Tree, Dan Lawton was a huge fan of this movie's IP. What movie? That's what I'm going to ask you. Do you have any guesses?
2: I do not. I'm assuming since this was a, like a religious game, mm-hmm. uh, maybe The Ten Commandments or uh, History of the World
1: or something. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Blue, what's your guess? Uh... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a clue here. Think the opposite of what you would expect from a religiously themed gaming company.
0: Uh, predator.
1: <laughs> close. Well, not, not really that close, but close enough. Okay. I, I would call Predator kind of action horror. Uh-huh. right? Uh, he was a big fan of the movie Hellraiser. Oh what? my gosh. Yep. That's a complete 180. <laughs> Right? So Pinhead, that all, that whole thing. But uh, Dan actually purchased the rights to the movie and the game engine from id for a whopping 50k. So bought all that stuff. Got Jesus. So at the time, Wisdom Tree was actually called Color Dreams. There are, I think, Bunch Games as well. There's a few different names for that particular company. Uh, and they were producing unofficial games for the NES. And actually, you can probably recognize most of their stuff because it's usually that baby blue oddly shaped cart. For the for uh, the Nintendo. Uh-huh. Uh, Donnie, do you have any uh, any baby blue cards I in your collection?
2: I think I do. To the
1: collection. <laughs> he goes. Well, <laughs> for me, uh, I had a copy of Tag and Dragon, which is an abomination. <laughs> it is an absolutely awful game.
2: I can't readily see. I don't think I have
1: the Bible Adventures blue version. Gotcha. 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 So with Dan, though, interestingly enough, uh, he wanted to use Wolfenstein because he thought the violent, fast-paced action uh, would be a great match for Hellraiser, which I don't disagree with.
0: I'm kind of mourning the fact we didn't get the Hellraiser game.
1: <laughs> right? Oh, no. And in fact, that's that's one of my, my send-offs here is I'm still waiting for that Hellraiser Super Nintendo game. The plan was to release it on the original Nintendo But the technical limitations of the NES uh, basically made it impossible unless they added RAM to the cart, and that would have jacked the price up to be prohibitively expensive for consumers. So they're like, all right, let's shelf this idea for a while. But eventually, Color's Dreams turned into Wisdom Tree. Uh, Basically, they shifted all their game development to focus on Christian religious-themed games, so, as you can imagine, Hellraiser probably not the best game to, to- you could spin that. You could
0: spin that though. I know you could.
1: <laughs> so, therefore, they actually looked at it and said, you know what, let's develop utilizing that the properties that we currently have a you know, license for. Obviously, we pay money for this, so let's let's get the most out of it. So Super 3D Noah's Ark was born. Now the gameplay, though, is what makes this, I think, the funniest overall. So for those who don't know, it's a first-person shooter. <coughs> And the backstory of the game is that the biblical great flood flood is over, but there are still six days left before all the animals can be released. So as a result, the animals have become restless inside the ark. So Noah's got to traverse the ark itself and feed the animals with food to make them fall asleep. Uh, Yeah. Um,
0: I have, I have many questions. I'm (laughs)
1: soul. Now, in order to feed the animals, uh, and r- remind you that this is a first-person shooter. Uh, he does so with a slingshot, as one does, and he sh- shoots food at them, and it makes this like donk no noise when you do it. <laughs> yeah. So the interesting part, though, is that the animals will attack you, in, like most you know first-person shooter enemies will. Uh, so your shots kind of have to be true in order to get them to fall into what I can only assume is like a diabetic coma, right?
0: He's putting <laughs> something in that food.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Now, the DOS version had better graphics, so like the textures looked like they were legitimate, right? It wasn't just a random wood that looked extremely pixelized. They they actually looked like you were inside of an arc. But they also included power-ups and ammunitions and special oh, weapons geez. as well. Special foods. <laughs> right? And, and their own ammo for those weapons. Now, I've never played the DOS game, so I'm assuming they had a rocket launcher and, <laughs> and the, the chainsaw from Doom and all that stuff. That's what I have to assume. Jane, hmm.
2: get me off this crazy arc.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, kind of wrap things up about this game in particular, we've kind of covered the story behind it and the gameplay. How do you think the reception was for this game? Probably not well.
0: <laughs> Who can imagine? I don't know. Doom, clone, Doom clones were a thing. They were a big thing. There were a lot of crazy Doom clones. Oh, but I, I'm still going to say this yep. is not, not one of the most revered ones. Though then again the fact that the cart is so expensive now maybe i'm wrong
1: no and the the reason it's so expensive is that it was the worst selling game for wisdom tree of all time
0: (laughs) (laughs) and that's saying something i imagine
1: indeed but the interesting part is that a version was released on steam of course in 2015 and it has really positive reviews so okay you know uh, moral of the story is don't give up on your ideas because someday (laughs) it might turn into a cult classic that's funny all right, but to wrap things up, uh, I just wanted to say, of course, thank you so much for attending today's lesson. Uh, as a reminder, if you do, in fact, have stories that you want to hear, I would love to, to have you know you jump, reach out to us and let us know what you would like to see as far as this segment is concerned. So if you do have those suggestions, again, uh, email us at GamersWeekPodcast at gmail.com. How
2: do I get extra credit?
1: <laughs> uh, no. No. <laughs> uh.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Professor Rybed. We are all very smart right now. So let's go ahead and wrap up this first episode of Gamers Week podcast. And just an FYI for everyone listening, this episode is only the first of our big three episode launch party. So if you have enjoyed the show, there are two more episodes waiting for you right now. So go ahead and listen. And if you didn't enjoy the show, well, there are still two more episodes (laughs) waiting, ready to help you change your mind and decide that you love <laughs> Gamers Week Podcast. But if you want to connect with Gamers Week, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Gamers Week PC. You can also email us at GamersWeekPodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitch at twitch.tv slash GamersWeekPodcast. And finally, support us on Patreon, if you would so desire, and we would be quite grateful, at Patreon.com slash GamersWeek. And finally, since you have made it all the way to the end of this episode please leave us a review. We really do want to know what did you think of the show? How did we do? What can we do better? Et cetera, et cetera. And while you're there, consider subscribing on iTunes or on your podcast platform of choice. So go ahead and uh, click play on that next episode and we'll see you in a few minutes.
1: Hey now, hey now.
0: <laughs>
1: the podcast is over. <laughs> Okay. They'll come. They'll come.